Hey, what's up, what's good? Welcome to Showtime Balling NZ, New Zealand's basketball podcast. Let's get it. In this episode, we're going one-on-one with Chris Vaughan from Elite Scholarships. Okay, now these two episodes are all based around the services that Chris provides for youth leaving from New Zealand, going over to America to play sports in the college scene. Now, in this episode, he speaks about his beginnings in basketball, uh, with his coaching, and then leading into Leeds Scholarships. Now, the service that he provides is free, and if you want more information, feel free to drop him a line in Leeds Scholarship on Facebook or Instagram. But yo, without further ado, let's go. Hey, this episode is brought to you by Skinny Fizz. Skinny Fizz, sparkling water with a splash of real New Zealand fruit extract made right here in Aotearoa, New Zealand. No sweetness, just refreshingly real. Skinny Fizz comes in three flavours, lemon, lime and raspberry. For more information, hit them up on www.skinnyfizz.co.nz. Go get it. Welcome to our show, Showtime Balling NZ, Balling on All Levels, our basketball podcast. This episode, we're still in the COVID-19, but in this regard, this we're going to talk to uh, Chris Warren. Uh, he is from um, from, um, from Leeds Scholarship. Um, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Man, it's been great. We've been talking about this episode backwards and forth. Uh, I believe it's a very important episode because, man... As you were, you probably bring up the the stats uh, post two thousand and ten, you know the verses of the kids that are going overseas uh, versus two thousand and ten onwards. It's totally changed. Yeah, yeah, massive. Um, represent Chris. Where are you from? Um, currently um, in the Manawatu um, in Tararua. Um Just moved down a few years ago from uh, Auckland. And was up there for my whole life before that. So, uh, yeah, Manawa to represent at the moment. There we go. Bucketheads, turbos, greens, the power <laughs> wind move, righty, righty, rah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, basketball scene for you. Where did it start for you? Um, goes back to um, a long time ago, to back to the 90s when I was a kid, got into it. Um, we actually, at the time, um, were involved in, in the Harbour Kings way back in, in the 90s. And uh, we had um, Polder Winitana um, bill it out to us. The team had him come and live with us for a, a small fee every week. And uh, so he lived with us for three years. And the day he got there, we just got involved in basketball and, and been involved in basketball ever since. So uh, yeah, it was uh, Polder Winitana that, that got us into it. And uh, it's been been a good ride ever since. <laughs> nah, shout out to uh, Polder. That's my boy. That's my man. Uh, it turned out to be a uh, you know pretty successful basketballer moving <laughs> for the ranks of New Zealand. So man, that's um yeah, that's definitely a good person yeah, to he's um. Here's the man. It's great to see. But uh, now with you, regards to that, was that where your passion for basketball started? Yeah, it was. Um, I mean, I, I just started playing. You know, played back in in the days of when they had under twelves all the way back then. Um, Harbour under 12s, under 14s, under 16s, um, played at uh, Long Bay College um, and uh, and then after school just kind of stopped playing. Uh, at the time, at least, there wasn't many opportunities, at least for for myself, only 5'10", um, you know, white kid from the shore, it wasn't, <laughs> wasn't many opportunities to play basketball um, outside of, of New Zealand. 
um, or even in New Zealand at the time either. So uh, just stopped, but um, started coaching, um, coached um, Harbour under 15s, um, Harbour under uh, 17s, uh, Long Bay College teams, um, and uh, yeah, and then just move on with life and stop coaching for for a good portion, um, about six or seven years there, and then uh, um, yeah, moved down to uh, one or two and got back into it. Yeah, so yeah, let's rewind back to nineties. Was pretty simple living back then. <laughs> you know, the game in New Zealand was it wasn't as big as it is now, but um, yeah, man, it was a beautiful time, man. I remember back in those days, it was just. You know, social media was totally a bit different. It wasn't even a thing, but um, yeah, it's totally evolved. But what made you get into coaching? Um, I wanted to um, continue with basketball. I just I loved the sport. I didn't play. I didn't really play any other sport. There wasn't any like um, rugby or cricket or anything that normal Kiwis do. But um, it was basketball, and uh, yeah, just wanted to keep going with it. Uh, I loved coaching. I loved the strategy behind it. Trying to outsmart your opponent um, and, and trying to help people um, develop their skills and you know none of the teams I coached back then did any damage they weren't they weren't incredible um, teams a lot of really young players and uh, um, just not developed very well at all Um, and uh, yeah I think that kind of was part of the reason why I stopped it was um, hadn't really seen much success had been going for about five or six years hadn't really seen any success with it and so I stopped and yeah, it was just one of those things that when you you finish something like that, it kind of creates a space, and um, you know. So I filled my time with other things, and and then it came to a point where I had more time on my hand and uh, started getting back into coaching. So when um, when when that happened, I, when we moved down to the Manawatu, started uh, coaching at at, at Manawatu under twenty three uh, women's team and the Tatarua College team and. Um, been doing those two for a few years and now I'm at uh, Fielding High School coaching their Prem girls team. Primo there, um, there Chris. And now let's uh, let's do a little bit of an honesty check. When you first picked up the whiteboard and the, and the whiteboard marker, uh, <laughs> so you remember the time when, did you have, I don't even remember this, did you have a coaching philosophy back then or was it just kind of, oh, well, I'm just going to stick my hand up and I'm just going to do whatever I can? Yeah, we had... Um, Way back then, I mean, you didn't really have a philosophy coaching high school back in you know two thousand five. Um, it was it was a very difficult time. Um, I I played against all those guys that are now um, breakers. Um, you know, Corey Webster and, and Tom Abercrombie and BJ Anthony and, and all that. I, I played against all those guys all the time. And um, and then when we went to coach, we were coaching against you know, just the philosophy was don't lose by a lot. <laughs> That was when you start, and and when you, it's one thing to to play the game, it's one thing to riff the game, it's a whole nother thing to coach, and um, mm. a lot of a lot of players are, are good players, but they don't understand the game in a way that they need to to be able to coach, um, and that was a massive Absolutely. learning curve to figure out the different, um, uh, I guess, the reactions to to the game on a different level than it was as a player. Um, trying to control your players, the other team, the refs, the atmosphere, all of those things that you don't think about as a player um, come into effect. And, and when you're young, when you're you know starting, when you're 20, 21, it's, it's really tough. It's really tough to do. So, yeah, <laughs> lots of learning there. 
Yeah, big, massive learning curve. But was it safe to say that was winning, winning as a team, was you personally winning against the opposition? Was that at a premium back then? Was that like high on your priority list to do? Um, not with the talent that I had originally. Um, in 2011, I think it was, we, I took the um, Harbour under 15 um, boys uh, and I had some help there um, with uh, uh, Dave McKay. Um, or I, I guess I, I helped him. <laughs> um, and they did really, really well. They won, um, was it 2011, 2012, whatever year it was, they won the Nationals there. That was a really good experience there because I figured figured out how to um, use a lot of talent that they had to be able to beat other very talented teams. Whereas before that, at the, the random high school levels, it was, you know, whoever wants to play for the school kind of shows up and it, it was a bit tough to, you know, create any sort of um, system when, you know, you got three, four different players every week. So that that was definitely a learning curve. But, um, you know, once the, the talent starts to develop and you get more talent, that's when the priority turns to winning. Yeah. So what I'm trying to allude to is probably the fact that where you are now, that the, let's say the philosophy must change over the years as you get a bit more experience, as you kind of get a little bit more wiser um, within <laughs> the game and you learn. Well, hopefully you have. <laughs> it's got to happen. <laughs> what I'm going to say is that, you know, when does the winning become the secondary and then it becomes the player development? Um, oh sorry. right. Yeah, yeah. That, that's the thing is, I it's it, it. I think I believe it is hard to develop a player without them winning much. Um, it's not okay. often that players continue to play but still lose all the time. Um, it's very disheartening to them, and and that's when, when you see kids giving up the sport is because they're not seeing success with it, even if they're seeing individual. Mm-hmm. Um, improvement and, and their talent get better. They're not winning or they're at a bad school or you know the, their teammates have a bad attitude, whatever it is, and, and that discourages a lot of kids. It's really tough to, to okay. see that. Um, but for me, I just try to uh, – often these kids, um, especially especially girls, they don't believe in themselves. They don't believe that they can what, what they can do. You know, I, when I was um, yeah. coaching at um, – when I first took the coaching at um, Tarador College, I said to them, hey, I've seen some of the competition and I think you guys can compete at nationals. And they all just thought I was the craziest person in the world. And they didn't believe it, which is which is so so weird to me to not have a belief in yourself. And, and um, so that's what we worked on. And as soon as these kids, especially teenage kids, start to believe that they can actually do something, it's amazing to see the change that happens in them. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you there because you um, you sit back as a coach and you hear the old saying, "Oh, it's not about winning, guys." <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, that's sort of that's sort of philosophy. Or the other one, like as you were saying, is that if you could only see what I'm seeing, you could be so much yeah. better. But um, yeah, yeah, I can I can see where you're coming yeah, from. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Massive. So now with your coaching currently at the moment, it's now you've you're deeply dived into a um, I don't know, what would you, would you call it like an industry or was it kind of a uh, <laughs> what, 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 do you, what do we actually call, how would you describe the lead scholarship? Um, I, I guess I'll go back in a little bit of history so um, I um, was coaching that Manawatu under 23s and I, um, 
was trying to get uh, um, um, players to come and play for me. And I said to to some of them, hey, come and play, um, you know, players in the one or two, because it was a little bit like, um, you know, under 23s isn't really the natural progression. They, you know, they play 15s, 17s, 19s, and then under 23s is kind of bit out there. So um, there are a couple of players, good mm-hmm. players in the one or two, who weren't w- wanting to come play for under 23s. I said, hey, come play for me. Um, and uh, and I'll see what I can do to try and get you over overseas, which I'm sure many players have heard many coaches say to them before. Um, and then yeah. um, there was one girl who had a um, had the previous, um, I guess, the biggest one in the country at the time, CCR Custom College Recruitment. As we all know, went bust and had taken the money from uh, this one player <laughs> and uh, hadn't produced. Uh, a scholarship out of it, which I thought was a bit, a bit stinks. So I said, well, let me see what I can do. Cause what I had been doing was, um, creating a, um, a platform or a, a process you could say where, um, my, my, my goal is to coach in the States. And so I figured I need to get some contacts over there. So I'd been creating these contacts and, um, talking to all these mm. coaches about, about other things, about their team, about their program, their towns, their cities, that sort of thing. And then I said, hey, let me talk to some of these coaches that I've been communicating with and we can see if we can get your scholarship. So that's how the first one came about. Um, and so we managed to get her a scholarship through that. Um, and then I figured, hey, that was a lot easier than I thought it was. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like a, a yeah. mystical, um, you know, playing college ball, playing in the States. It's this big dream of, of thousands of Kiwis. And, you know, it's something that only a very small handful do and, and all that sort of thing. But then I started thinking, hey, if it was that easy with her, maybe I can get some other girls over there. And then that one um, player um, referred, was at the Stephen Adams camp and then was talking to some of the girls there. And she said, hey, I've got a friend here who could probably play in the States. Can you try and help her out? So I, I helped her out. Yeah. I'm here. So, so I'll just cut in here. So like, even because back then, this thing, the lead scholarship wasn't there. It was kind of no, a, I was just doing, something yeah, you just I was just hey, doing it on the side. Didn't brand it or anything like that. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and it became a bit of a snowball effect. Sorry, you carry on. Um, yeah, no, I was, I, I was just saying, I was just doing it as a coach. I was just emailing people. I didn't have any brand associated with it. I didn't do anything like that. And, um, and then I got this other, this girl, another, uh, another girl, another scholarship. And then she said, Hey, try this girl. Because she can't afford it, and I, I wasn't charging any of these girls any scholar any any money to get them these scholarships, which hasn't been done in New Zealand, as far as I know, um, or at least mm-hmm. on a consistent basis, where it's been for other players and um, for players that you haven't coached and that sort of thing. And um, so then this one girl referred me to another girl, and then she referred me to another girl, and I had about three or four different girls referring a lot of different other girls, and so I think we we um, got about. Um, six or seven girls deep, and then um, I figured, look, I gotta, I, I gotta try and get some sort of. This is before the lockdown stuff, so there was a lot more um, funding going around at the time, and um, so I, I said, hey, I'm gonna try and talk to Bas- uh, to Sport New Zealand, to Basketball New Zealand, to whoever is gonna listen and say, this is what I'm doing. Try, mm-hmm. I'm, I need some funding for this so I can do it full time because these are the results of doing it part time for the last year. And um, yeah. and so I thought, look, if I'm going to do that, I need a brand. Um, I'm going to 
in, in the process of registering for a charity and all that sort of stuff um, to get funding to help mm-hmm. help these these players. And uh, so I did that. I started with some branding, and, and really it took it took about three from the from deciding that to getting up on, on the Facebook page and getting everybody um, into it. Took it just one afternoon. I was just like, look, this is what I'm going to do, and I went on did the branding and three or four hours later I had the Facebook page with people showing interest. So it was um, one of those things that just sort of happened that it wasn't a, a long-term plan and it just sort of snowballed from there. And since then we've, we've just been able to sign a, a bunch of girls. And I think at the moment, um, the stats at the moment, we got a dozen girls um, signed, committed or signed and we've got a few more coming in in the next few weeks. So. Okay, so yeah, um, back into you know when we were talking about earlier in this um, episode, do you remember the what were do you know the stats in regards to post two thousand and ten to where we are at the moment? How many people were overseas playing in colleges in America? Yeah, I think um, uh, Basketball New Zealand put out that post a couple of days ago, about a week ago, I think, where they said in two thousand and ten, two thousand eleven season, I think they had six. Um, uh, kids over and playing D1 um, Division 1 basketball over in the States and so obviously there must have been a few more in, in the other divisions but generally D1 is a bit reflective of how many is in, in the rest of the um, the college system and so they only have six then. Um, now I think we have about a, uh, throughout all divisions D1, D2 um, Canada, NAIA and um, junior colleges I think we have about 120 um, by those who are, are keeping records throughout, there's a couple of coaches throughout the country who are who got um, has that detail. So um, I think we've got about 120 over there, which is massive. To, and I, f- I think 40, 41, 42 of them are Division One players. So to go from 2010, just 10 years ago, we only had six Division One, maybe a, a couple dozen um, in the other divisions, to now 40 Division One. And 120 total is just a massive, massive improvement. But I think that reflects the growth of the sport itself in the country as well. Mm. Yeah, it's definitely trending in the right way. And that's just regarding to the, the popularity of the sport mm-hmm. um, and just the reality of uh, of kids because it's a, it's a bit of an unknown. Once you leave high school... Um, we probably were speaking about this on a mm. phone call. Uh, just where the heck am, what am I going to do? Where am I going? Or, you know, directly, what am I going to do when I post uh, high school? Exactly, exactly. And I think in New Zealand, at least, um, if, you, if you're going to play netball, rugby, cricket, there's, there's a pretty solid pathway. You know, if you're, if you're top of your field mm-hmm. in those sports at school, there's a pretty solid pathway. You go and, and um, you know, you're on a development team for... Um, you know the Mystics or the you know, um, Highlanders or whatever it is, right? Whatever sport you're playing, it's pretty clear. Whereas in New Zealand, they don't really have anything from from that, that from high school to the next step. You know, we get a lot of our high school players playing in the NBL. Or we get you know one or two in each region playing in the NBL, but there's nothing else in between that. And um, and it's it's a real shame because you know, like you see a lot of kids sort of are great athletes, but when when they leave school, there's nothing for them afterwards. Or what I've found as well is mm. they they have that hope to play in the States, but they start to realise in about year 12 that they won't get over there because they didn't have, you know, a few thousand dollars to pay a recruitment company 
to uh, get them over there. And so you can see it reflected in the grades as well, where they sort of just give up. <laughs> year yeah. 11, most of them are, are really, yeah. really good grades in year 11. And then year 12, you can sort of see that they're starting to realize, hey, my parents aren't going to pay several grand for this to, to happen. And then the grades slip off. And then year 13, grades are just just horrendous. So um, <laughs> it's one of those things. It's been interesting to see that trend of um, players lose hope for um, playing basketball after school and so they just give up their academics as well which is a real shame okay now let's um if we if you don't mind let's go through the process uh now because uh how early do you have to be to identify the dream uh and what yeah because yeah like let's be real let's be honest you can't be like in like standard four <laughs> or something and say oh yeah i'm gonna exactly. go so uh <laughs> So yeah, so when the when does the process realistically start? I, ideally, so the ideal is that in year ten you're choosing your subjects for year eleven. That's when you should really be doing your homework of what what you need to what subjects you need to be doing um, to qualify. Because we've even had some players have great um, great marks, but they're in all the wrong subjects. So the NCAA um, only. <laughs> Um, sponsors or only um, uh, takes the GPAs of what they call their core subjects. So that's English, math, science, social sciences, foreign language, uh, religion and philosophy, um, or religion or philosophy. And they take the marks from those subjects and then they have, you know, like English is like American literature for the States, but whereas here it's, you know, maybe an English extension or an English whatever it is. Um, there's sort of subcategories of those, each of those um, core subjects that they that accept, but they don't take into consideration um, physical education. Your marks in there don't count towards your GPA. Um, and, and often you find that you get um, some kids who have been doing sort of two sports, um, two sports subjects at school, and that, those grades just don't count. What does count is if it's a, a scientific, um, you know, sports science, um, health science, something like that, those count towards your GPA, but um, physical education doesn't. So, um, you know, art doesn't, um, you know, visual design doesn't. We get a lot of students coming through with a lot of excellences in, in art programs, but they don't count towards the GPA. So it really sort of takes off the potential marks that they could have had. Um, so really year 10 is, is where you need to think about it and think about which subjects you're going to take and, and then stick to it. Um, where, mm -hmm. and then once, you know, but at the same time, it's not too late. If you're in year 12, year 13, it's not too late. There's always a, an option for you. As, as long as you're a high school graduate, you can go to a, a um, JUCO, a junior college, community college, um, no matter what your marks were, as long as you graduate high school in New Zealand. So that's uh, level one, level two, right? So. It's it's never too late. So mm. all those year thirteens out there panicking, it's not it's not a massive deal. Cool, 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 cool. So and then as simple as um, getting a highlight package together. Uh, is there anything in, in that regards that you need to be focused? Yeah, I mean, on? I've seen a lot. <laughs> I've made a lot. I've seen a lot. Yeah. Of, um, some of them I haven't sent to coaches. <laughs> um, I, I guess my my coaching experience. I, I like. I know what I'm looking for. Um, I've sent probably close to about 50 or 60 highlight videos to 
um, hundreds and hundreds of coaches over in the states, and um, <laughs> it's it's worth it though. It's worth it. But uh, a lot of them, you know, some coaches come back and say, "Oh, you know, this is I don't like to see this, or this is good, this is good, this is good." Um, sometimes in the the highlight packages that people do, there's a lot of dead time. You know, running back on defense or dribbling the ball up from the inbound. That coaches don't need to see that. Um, yeah. You know, they want to see the highlights. Correct. They want to see how you move. Um, and you know, we're we're blessed that we have Glory League. Um, so there's a you know, if you if you use mm. Glory League right, generally you can um, get the highlights from there and, and clip it all together um, if it's you know tagged correctly. But um, for the most part, if you can get what I found with Glory League is it's often um, it looks a lot slower on Glory League than in person. So if you can get, you know, live action okay. um, video, you know, of someone videoing courtside or whatever, it's generally a lot more impactful to coaches. So you get together a highlight video. Um, my recommendation is no more than about three, three and a half minutes. Anything more than that, and these coaches are getting, you know, dozens a week. They can't sit through a, a ten minute, five minute, even even a you know, four minute video mm. is probably pushing it for them. Doesn't need to have all the bells and whistles. You don't need to have the latest Drake song in the background. It doesn't need to be doing you know, it doesn't <laughs> need anything fancy. It just needs to show what you can do on the court and, and show a coach what you can do on the court. I've had people send videos of practices um to coaches which which works. Um coaches love seeing how you interact and practice how how um, you know you you train, how you practice with each other, um, but yeah, the, it doesn't need to be a massive production. That's the the massive thing behind it is people think it needs, you know, all the bells and whistles and and it needs to be slowed down, which it doesn't need to do anything like that. Um, and get that together and and start sending it to coaches. You know that normally coaches are quite happy to to hear from potential players, but at the same time. I think it, it's it's great to um, hope and it's great to set goals and it's great to dream, but at the same time you need to be um, real in where you think you can play. Um, do a bit of homework, watch a Division One game, watch a Division Two game, watch a junior college game, and see where it is that you think you will fit in best. Um, there's a lot of players out there who come to me and say, I want to play Division 1, I want to play in this conference, and I'm like mm. trying to get them to understand that to get into a Power 5 conference from New Zealand, you have to be basically, you know, like the ones who are from New Zealand over there, you have to be, you know, 6'8 or taller, because um, of all these other reasons, you know, it's more expensive for an international student and all that, that sort of thing. Um, but you've got to be literally top of you know top of the top of the game, um, and there's a lot of players. Yeah, like for example, like if I'm a if I'm a male man, I want to go play for Duke. 100%. I want to go play for for um, for Kansas, and like the girls, I want to go play for UConn. Hundred percent. And often, what I tell the the, the um, players as well is it, at a lot of schools, so even though you're getting technically a, a free education, you know, it's a full scholarship, the athletic department still has to, it still comes out of their budget to pay the school. Um, and so that often it's more expensive because for international students or out of state or out of residence students um, to 
to go to, to attend another school, just in general, just with the um, extra tuition and all the rest of it. Um, and so with athletic departments or, or with coaches and recruiting coordinators, they might just make an economical decision and not a, a talent decision where they say, look, we actually have a kid who lives in this state, who's maybe two or three inches shorter, who maybe has, you know, less, um, less marks, maybe a lower GPA, uh, maybe a little bit less talented or, or a little bit less quick off the block, but he's going to cost us, and over the four years, he's going to cost us less um, $200,000 in it will to take your kid. And so it's, well, sometimes it's purely an economical decision, and um, it's just one of those things that sucks, yeah. but it's one of the realities of it as well. Well, there it is. It's full time. Thank you very much for taking your time out here with us at Showtime Balling NZ, the podcast, balling at all levels. Hope you enjoy. Before we take off, making sure that you cop our merch and make sure you help grow our brand and represent us. Yo, until next time, peace. <laughs>